This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. This week's parsha is parsha of Ayikra. Just a very short, of a, a very short word of Ayikra, and we'll go into um, into Megillah Esther. So, if you look at a Sefer Torah, it's very interesting that the word Ayikra has a has a small olive. And the reason that's brought down that has a small olive is when you talk to someone, Lushan Diva, Lushan Omar, so it's not like a friend. It's like a, a rabbi talking to you or, or a, you know, somebody else talking to you. Vayikra is when you call somebody, right? So it's like two friends talking to each other. So, Hagarish Baruch Hu, when he wanted to write Vayikra, Moshe Rabbeinu said no. He said, I'm not on he would, he wouldn't be about guy, but that Hashem and him are like friends. And, and Vayikra is like when a friend talks to each other. So, he asked Hashem if Hashem would not use the word Vayikra. Hashem said he's gonna use the word Vayikra. So Moshe Beno asked him if instead of having a regular Aleph, it's Vav Yud Kufresh Aleph, that the Aleph should be small. So, if you're looking to say for Torah, the word Vayikra, the Aleph is small. So it's a very, very beautiful Vatayra. On this, on this small aleph, and that is, I, you know, I'm a client, so I get called up first, so I see, I always saw this small aleph. So if you look in the, in Pashkishisa, um, at the end of Pashkishisa, it says, When Moshe Beno came down from Hasina and he was holding the Luchos, Moshe Beno did not know that his face was all lit up. They were scared to come next to him. So how could it be that he didn't know that it was lit up? I heard a very beautiful shot. Imagine someone's walking around and his face is all lit up, right? Because he thought every time he talked to somebody, it was their face that lit up. Because when he talked to them, their whole face was reflecting his face. So their face was all lit up. So a person who's an unnov, who doesn't think much of himself, and he's very modest, so even though it was a huge light that was coming from him, he thought it was coming from the other person. So the question is, in Pashkishisha, they say, so where did this um, where did this light come from, right? So the Medjur says that um, when when Moshe Rabbeinu, when they finished writing the Torah, that there was some ink in Shemaim, there was some ink left. So the extra ink, right, Moshe Rabbeinu had on his fingers and he put it on his forehead, and that's what gave the light. So everybody asked the question, the question is, how God, who was so precise, who created the world, how could he have extra ink? God can't have extra ink. He knew exactly how much ink he would need to write the Torah. And the Torah says that originally the Aleph was supposed to be big. So because Moshe Rabbeinu begged HaKadosh Baruch Hu to make the Aleph small, so the difference between a big Aleph and a small Aleph, that was the extra ink. So the... So it wasn't extra, it was prepared originally for a big olive. Also, Moshe's name was supposed to be in Pashat Tetzaveh, but he said, Macheni no He said, if you want, if you want to destroy Klai Yisrael, erase my name from the Torah. Hashem erased his name from Pashat Tetzaveh. So between the times that Moshe's name was supposed to be mentioned in Pashat Tetzaveh and the regular olive, there was some extra ink. So we learn from here that a person who thinks that he's losing Something by being modest, it's just the opposite. The light that Moshe Rabbeinu had came only because he was modest. Had he not been modest, had he not protected Klai Yisrael, there would have been a regular Aleph, it would have been a regular Moshe Rabbeinu's name mentioned in Tetzaveh, there would have been no light. The light came from 
his modesty. Okay, it's an interesting word on, on Pasha's Vayikra. All right, so let's talk about today. We're already very close to um, Purim's in a week and a half, a few days, right? This, this year Purim comes out much to Shabbos, which is the best, but Shabbos is Sunday, because usually Tanis Esther, when you fast, so Purim comes out that night. So everybody's very nervous and shul, they're hungry, they tell the kids stop making noise and read a little bit faster, because you're not supposed to break your fast till after the Megillah, till, till you get home. But this year, we fast on Thursday, because it gets pushed. So once you push, we don't fast on Friday, we fast on Thursday. So it means that when you go to the Megillah, it's Matzah Shabbos, you ate a whole day. So there's no rush, and there's no one supposed to be nervous. It's a very nice, and of course it comes out on Sunday, which makes it possible for all the fathers to be home. So it's a very, very, very good time for Purim to fall out. It comes out Monday, Shabbos, and Sunday. So anyway, so we're 10 days away, just 10 days away, right? So now, we're going to um, talk about two different subjects tonight. Um, one is a famous, very, very famous question for all those who are writing notes, who want to write notes. What I'm reading to you tonight is, this part is from a... The Bnei Yisachar, very, very holy, holy Bnei Yisachar, and he says the following. He asks a very good question, and his question is like this. What do we call this holiday? Purim. Why do we call it Purim? Hashem HaPur, because of the lottery that Haman made, right? So he made this lottery to find out when, what day of what month should he destroy the Jews, right? He poor. He made a lottery. So we ask the question. Manishtana, interesting. It's the wrong month, but whatever. Manishtana kriyat shem hamoyed hazeh mikol hashem moadim. Why is this name of the holiday different than all other holidays' names? Shashem shakolam moadim. All the other holidays nikol hashem anes. They're called by the nes that happened on that holiday. Chag pesach. Hashem passed it over the doors of the Jews. Right? It's called in the Torah Chag hamatzos. The, the miracle of the of the matzah, chag hasukos, because we ate in a sukkah, right? Chag matan Torah. Hippopur, Hippopur was something very bad. It was what Haman did. Haman did a lottery, right, to find out when the Jews are going to be destroyed. Why would you name a holiday after the Russia? What he did to destroy us. In, in, in the word Hippopur, right, that he made a lottery, Purim, there's no miracle in there. There's no, there's no good thing in there. So, so it, it, we're naming the holiday after something that this Amaleki, that, that Haman did. Why would we name a holiday after something, not only that Haman did, but it was the day that we were supposed to be destroyed in the month that we're supposed to be destroyed. Why is our holiday named after, instead of the Yeshua being saved, the Machla, the Torah. The Torah was a Hippopur, right? So every other holiday is named Chagamatzos, Chagashvuos. Over here, we're naming it after what the Russia did, and there was no Yeshua in the hip, in the poor, in, in the lottery that it came out, right? So it's a very, very fantastic question. I never really spoke about this before. So, he says the following. A little Kabbalistic. So the Arizal, the Arizal, the Ariya Kadosh, says that all the months of the year have each month has to do with a different limb and a different sense in the human head. 
Tishrei is a gulgoyles. A gulgoyles is a skull. So Tishrei, which is Rosh Hashanah, represents your head, the whole skull. Cheshven v'kislev, right, this is the next two months, is Bezos Nayim, is the two ears. Tevis and Shvat is Bezay Nayim, is the two eyes. Ador, Bechinas Achaitan. Ador represents a person's nose. What's, what's in a person's nose? Toloi Chushareach. Right? What does your nose do? It gives you the strength of t- to smell things. Now, Chalachushim, Nishkarim, all the senses that are brought down, Eitzel Chet Adam Harishon. Right? When Adam Harishon, when, when she gave him from the Eitzadas, when she took from the Eitzadas, so it says, she saw it, right? She saw it. She picked it. She touched it. She ate it, right? And, um, so she, and she listened to the Nachash when he told her, right, that this is, that you can eat from the tree. So she, when it came to the tree, she used four senses to do the Avera. She listened. She saw, right? It says, Toivle Nayim was good for her eyes. She touched and she tasted. There's one sense left. We have five senses. The fifth sense is smell. Doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that she smelled it. So the only thing that she did not use her body for or her senses for when she did the Aver of the Eitz Hadas was smell. Now smell doesn't really do anything for your body. It's for your soul. That's why we Matzah Shabbos, we make Bore Minei B'Samim, right? Because on, Matzah, on Saturday night, on Matzah Shabbos, our Neshama Yisera, that second Neshama that we get, it leaves. And you're missing a big part. There's a big void. What fills that void? B'Samim. You make a Bore Minei B'Samim. Why specifically B'Samim? Because the one Avera, that the one part of your body that we did not use when we did the sin, was smell. So smell was never damaged. By the dark side. So that's why there's something very special about, about smell, and that's why we make Bayerman every summer Matzah Shabbos. Now, being that Adar, the month that came out in the lottery, is the Chaitem, is the nose, which represents smell. Haman, whose whole power came from the Nachash. How do we know that, everybody? Because, we go all the way back to Bereshis. The Gemara asks, Haman menatayraminayin. How do we know Haman? Esther, we know, has to ask their panai, right? That Hashem hid his, hid his face. But how do we know, how do we know Haman from the Torah? It says, um, when Hashem caught, after they ate from, ate from the tree, who said you're not dressed? Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? So Hamin, Hamemnun, is the letters of Haman. So the, the Gemara asks, how do you know Haman from the Torah? And the Gemara answers, Hamin eats. From the word Hamin, which is Haman, Hamin eats. You just, you just randomly look through the Torah for a hey mem and nun, and you found Hamin eats. Like, how'd you come up to the, like, what does one thing have to do with the other, right? There's the word Hamon, right? The Mon fell. So say, how do you know Hamon from the Torah? Hamon, right? Why Hamon are eights? And the Torah says that, what was the Avera of the eights? 
of the Eitz Hadas. Hashem gave Adam and Chava to eat from any tree, any tree in the garden. In fact, when the Nachash came, what did he say? He said, can't you eat from all the trees in the garden? Didn't Hashem say you can eat from all the trees in the garden? So, so they were able to eat from all the trees in the garden except for two. The Eitz Hadas, right? We weren't allowed to eat from the Eitz Hadas and the Eitz Hachayim. So, what was Haman's problem? Haman was, I just saw a whole medrash, one of the medrashim say he had 250 sons. Huh? I guess for more than one wife, right? But he had 250 sons, not 10 sons. So he was, in, in, in the Persian Empire, went by how many boys you had, that made you very, very chashiv. He was a billionaire. He, he was second to the king. He was extremely, extremely powerful. Everybody, doesn't say everyone bowed down to the king, but everyone bowed down to Haman, except one man. Mordechai. Mordechai, right? He was the only one that didn't bow down to him. So he had everything, except one guy. So he shouldn't let it go. In the end, because he didn't let it go, he was destroyed, right? He should have let it go. You have everything. So one guy, right, he comes back to Zeresh, right, and his whole family, and he tells them that even though the queen invited me to the party, so I'm like equal to the king, I have all the money, I have all the political power, I have all the sons, I have everything, I can't deal with one thing, that this guy Mordechai doesn't bow down to me. So he also had everything. And he was just missing one thing. And that one thing made him crazy. He said, I can't enjoy any of the stuff that I have because there's just one thing I can't have, which is a me Narcissist. Okay. That's a narcissist. One thing. Yeah. Okay. So, so he had to have that one thing he didn't have. Chava was the same thing. Hashem gave her everything. All the different stuff, all the different, everything. They had everything in Gan Eden. Except one thing. Two things actually. The, 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 the Eitz Hadas and the Eitz Hachayim. No, she had to have that. The Nachash, his power was that that's what he worked on. If you, if you look at the Psukim, right? What did the Nachash say to her? It's, it's, mamish in, it's mamish in the Psukim. He says, I can eat from every tree. When we pray, but that one tree that's in the middle, Right? Because you, if you eat, when you eat from that tree, your eyes will open up. The one thing you're not allowed to have was the one thing she had to have. The one guy that didn't bow down to Haman was the one guy that he wanted more than anyone else to bow down to. So his, his Yanika, his, his, his source, his Shairish of who Haman was, was Mina Eitz, was from the tree. And it says that he, that, that Amole comes from the Nachash. So, the only month that we had the power to beat the Nachash was the old, was the month that the the Mida, the thing of that month, was besamin, was 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 the chaitim, was smell. And since we were in plaguing and smell, when she ate from the Eitzadas, the one thing she didn't make tame was smell. Therefore, the only month we could have beat him was was Purim. So therefore. It's, it says in the Pasuk, Asher, Hippopur. It's not that he, Lifnehem, in front of him. Not that he made the lottery, but someone made the lottery in front of him. Ask the Bnei Yisrael, what do you mean someone made the lottery in front of him? He made the lottery. No. Hashem made it come out on Ado, which was Chaitem. Which he, Akash knew that Amalek and the, and the Nachash had absolutely no power on it. On top of that, he says, on top of that, Mordechai, the name Mordechai comes from 
we just had a few parashas ago when it was talking about the psalmim. So it says in the Pasik that one of the ingredients of the psalmim was something called mar dirar. And the Uncleus translates mar dirar as Mordechai. So Mordechai's essence, his name, what does Mordechai mean? Comes from the word mar dirar. What is mar dirar? A spice. Something that smells. So the essence of him was chaitim, was smell, which the Nachash couldn't touch. And Esther, the Megillus Esther says, well, who is Esther? Hadassah. What's a Hadassim? Right? It's a myrtle. Myrtle is, 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 if you buy it for Shabbos, if you crush it, right? Myrtle is a besamim. So her name was besamim. His name was besamim. The month was the month of the nose, the chaitim, of smell. And therefore, he had no power to touch them. And that's why the Bnei Yisachar says it's called Purim. Because the actual essence of the miracle is the poor, people poor. The essence of the miracle is that the whole thing started that he picked out the wrong time for him and the right time for us. That people poor came out on Adar. And Adar was a day that was not connected to the Nachash by the tree. It was the one thing, right? If we were to come out in the month of the eyes, she looked at the tree. If we were to come out in the month of the ears, she listened to what he had to say. If we come out in the month of the mouth, she, t- she tasted the fruit. We come out the month of the hands, she touched the fruit. So any of those months, we would have been destroyed. The only month that we could be protected was the month of the nose. And the month of the nose is Adar. On top of that, Mordechai and Esther's name, they're basically, we know that the shayrish of a person is their name. Their names came from spice. And spice is something that you smell, and that was not Pogam when it came, when it came to the Eitzadas. And therefore, and, and, and of course, Purim, we know that Purim is a time that's very hidden. It's, it's a nice nister. So therefore, what looked like, now, this is very beautiful. This is, this is what he said. It's very, very beautiful. What, what is, what is, it, it's beautiful to watch the Russia, what he, his power, we always destroy the Russia by his, by his, by his power. And to destroy, to destroy an enemy, you have to use his sword to kill himself, not yours. We know the measures by Bilam. Bilam was the biggest sorcerer in the world. And he was flying in the sky and he had all kinds of crazy crap. He was bigger than Moshe Rabbeinu, it says. He had more power than Moshe Rabbeinu. They made him fall from the sky. They used the tzitz. The tzitz said, was one of the begotten of the coin gadol that, that, that they used, Aaron Akayin. And that brought him down. He was flying in Shaman. They couldn't find him. It's a whole story. But they brought him down with the tzitz. And then Aaron, or Pinchas, wanted to kill Bilam with the Shem Hashem, with Hashem's name. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, you can't do that. Why? Because Bilam was the source of evil. If you're going to kill evil with holiness, then, then the evil is going to capture some of the holiness that you're using to kill it. So the only way to kill Bilam was to use his own evil sword. It was called the sword of the snake. It was a very special, powerful sorcerer's sword. And Pichas took Bilam's sword and killed him with his own sword. And then he turned into a million different snakes, it says. His whole body became snakes. So, so you have to use the enemy's, his power against him. You know, the, the nuclear missile is shooting at you. You gotta turn it around and make it land in their land. That's what you need to do. So, what's Amalek's power, late girls? What's Amalek's power in the world? What is, what is Amalek's main thing in the world? Amalek doesn't believe. Amalek doesn't say that God didn't, you know, everyone thinks Amalek is atheist. Amalek doesn't say that God didn't create the world. He, Amalek is against Hashgacha Pratias. Amalek says that even if God did create the world, he left. That's what he does. Creates the world, puts it on automatic, right? And leaves. 
creates a world, puts an automatic, and leaves. That's the anti of Hashkacha Pratis. We know that Hashem, just the opposite, that everything, nothing just happens, right? A Molek believes everything just happens. You're lucky. You're not lucky, right? A Molek's favorite word is, stuff happens. Just random. They believe in randomness. There's random, and there's luck, and there's no luck. And he even asked him, how did, how did a Molek explain um, Kriyas Yamsuf? Somebody who believes in just things that happen, right? I explained Kriyas Yamsuf. So a Molek said, there was a earthquake in the Yam. The Yam split, and it happened to have happened when the Jews were standing there running away from the Mitzvah. Everything just happens. That's his, that's his belief. Therefore, Haman, who came from Amalek, the way he chose to destroy the Jews was with a lottery. A lottery, as we know, $240 million, right? And a lot mega, whatever it's called, is luck. Lottery stands for luck. 1% and then 2 million people. So, the weapon that he used to try to destroy Kleistro was a lottery, which is Amalek. Because the, the greatest thing of, 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 of luck is gambling. Is, is taking a bunch of stuff, putting it in a, in a hat, and picking one out. Oh, I won! How did you win? The only way you can win is that you were lucky, right? You, you, you just picked, they picked something out of a hat at, 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 a, at a Chinese auction. It's not because you're smart that you won. It was luck, the luck of the draw, right? You're lucky. So his whole koyach that he went against Klai Yisrael was to use Amalek's koyach, which is luck. He put 12 months in a, in a hat, and he picked one out. What destroyed him? The luck. What came out? Ador. Ador was the one month that he had no koyach over. He had no power over. Because it's the month of the nose, of the, of the chaytem. So the, what, what destroyed the guy who thought he was lucky? And when he pulled out Ador, he was dancing. Because he knew that in Adar, Moshe Rabbeinu died in Zion Adar. So it was the perfect month, he said. This is the month that their leader died. It's a very bad month for the Jews. So he was very happy. He didn't know that Moshe Rabbeinu was born on Zion Adar the same day that he died. So the luck, the koyach that a Molik has, which is randomness, which is, it just happened, was just lucky, ended up for him being the most unlucky thing that he could have done. Had he chosen without a lottery and studied all the month, it wouldn't have come out on Adar. So, Hakash Baruch Hu used his weapon, Amalek's weapon, believing that just stuff happens. And there's no Hashkacha Pratis. Hashem did the opposite. He made it specific Hashkacha Pratis. But it would come out on the one month that, 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 uh, that, that Haman had no power whatsoever. And this is something we need to see. That, 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 and this is, this is the, the whole really basis and foundation of Purim. Because in Purim you don't see God's name. His name is not mentioned in Megillah once. It looks like it's just a Persian story that happened in, 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 in so the whole godness of Purim is that there's Hashkacha practice. That in a regular story, Persian king calls down his queen, she doesn't show up, he doesn't like her, he hangs her, he finds a beautiful girl, she tells him that this guy is trying. You know, they make movies and plays about this assassination. It's a little bit like Julius Caesar. You know, his best friend, he, killed, he thought his best friend was going to kill him, and all this stuff, really, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a play, right? But meanwhile, that's what Amalek says. You know, the Jews got lucky, Esther, he liked her, Vashti didn't come down, she grew a tail, 
wrong night to grow a tail, right? You know, pimples. You know, you shouldn't have had acne that night. Bad night for acne. She should have gone down. You know, it was just lucky. The Jews got lucky. Our job on Purim, our job in Megillah's Esther is to see that there is no such thing as luck. Even the lottery, says the Bnei Shaskha, where it came out on Ador, there was nothing lucky about it. It was specifically picked because Reach, they have no Kayach over. And where do we see Haman Menatayra? From the Eitz Hadas. He thought he was going to connect to the Eitz Hadas, to the Nachash. He was going to use that to destroy us. In the end, it didn't work at all. Okay. So that's a very, very beautiful, very beautiful. If you want to look it up, it's in, a, it's in the Bnei Yisachar. Subject number two. Which I think is very, very important for all of us. And I really spoke about this. I spoke in, in three days. I spoke in 11 seminaries and in every seminaries every seminary that I spoke I found that this was probably the most important thing that I had to say and I say it every year but it's a little bit different maybe this year so there's a um, there's a medrash and the medrash says we talk about this every year that Esther Amalka when her when her mother was pregnant with with her for three months her father died says the medrash and when her mother gave birth at birth, her mother died. So Esther Amalka never had, a, had, never had a parent. She never had any parents. And the Gemara says that Mordechai adopted her. And um, it's a very interesting Gemara, whatever it is. He adopted her at childbirth. She never had any parents. Fine. So she grew up without any parents. She grew up in Mordechai's house. And it brings down that she never walked out of his house. She was a very big snua until they brought her to Achashverosh that time. So she, this was not something she wanted to do. She didn't want to marry no king. She didn't want to be in his terrible harem that he had over there. She wanted any part of him. Okay, what happens? Mordechai finds out that Hashem, as Rashi says, that Hashem signed a decree that Klai Yisrael should be destroyed, and that was Purim, and then we came back. Okay, so it says the following. It says that Mordechai called her, and he said to her, listen, we're in very big trouble. I need you to go to Achishverosh. I need you to save us. And Esther said, Tell Mordechai that anyone who goes to the king and they weren't called, they kill him. They chop their head off. So I'm not going because I wasn't called in 30 days. And they told this to Mordechai. Mordechai said, say, tell Esther, send her a message. She shouldn't worry about herself. She shouldn't worry about herself. If she is going to waver and be quiet at this moment, the Jews will be okay. It will come from a different place. And you and your father's house will be destroyed. And maybe for this moment, you got to the kingdom. So the very famous question. The question is as follows. If I was sending a girl from Ornava into Iran to try to talk the Ayatollah not to shoot missiles at Israel. And she's like, you know, you're sending me to Iran. When I walk into this guy's room and he finds out I'm a Jew, <laughs> they're going to chop my head off, especially if she's an Israeli, right? They're going to chop my head off. Okay. So what would I tell her? I'd say, listen, you're going for Israel. You're going to save us. You'll have siyata deshmaya, have emuna, be like Esther Amalka, be like Rus. 
You have nothing to worry about. I'll tell you this. For three days before you go, I'm going to have all the Jews in the whole world fast. We're going to have all the girls' schools stop saying, no one's going to say Lashon Hara. Everyone's going to be Tzniyas. We're going to have people around the clock saying Tehillim. The rich people are going to give Tzedakah. We're not just going to send you in to the Ayatollah of Iran without davening and praying and fasting. You know what I mean? And Hashem will help. That's how I would send her in. That's not how Mordechai sent her in. Mordechai said, listen to me. If you don't go, if you're going to waver at this moment, you're a loser. Your family's a bunch of losers. And don't you think we need you? Because if you don't go, we'll get somebody else. And anyway, why do you think you're here? Why do you think you're in the kingdom? He's trash-talking her. What are you doing? You're sending this girl on a death mission. Talk nice. Don't threaten her if she doesn't go. You, your family, you're all a bunch of losers. Very hard to understand. And Mordechai was her uncle. And Mordechai knew that she was an orphan since she was born. How are you talking to this girl? I would never talk to someone like that. If you don't go, you're a loser. And your family's a bunch of losers. Please go. For Klai Yisrael, we're going to dive in. We're going to get brachas from Chaim Kainuneski, from Lubavitcher Rebbe. We're going to go to all the Rebbe's. We're going to go to all the Tzaddikim. We're going to get you brachas. And you're going to have 15 kameas, right, from all kinds of different things and coins and red strings. And you're going to have red strings around your neck and your hand and your feet. And we're going to put all kinds of stuff on you. You're going to walk in there, mamish, protected, like unbelievable. I definitely wouldn't tell her. Listen, girl, if you don't go, you're a loser. You know what I mean? And your parents are also a bunch of losers. I definitely wouldn't say that. So what is going on over here? And I know that you've all been insomniacs all your life. You can't sleep at night because this question has been bothering you. And imagine tonight will be the first night you're going to be able to sleep because we're going to answer this question. And it's an amazing answer. So the Medrash says that there was a Vikuach in Shemaim. Vikuach is like an argument in Shemaim. A struggle. And the Malach of Haman, the Malach of Amalek, of Esau, came in front of Hashem and said, we're here to collect for our grandfather Esau. For 21 years, he kept Kibbut of Aim when Yaakov was by Lavan. Yaakov did not keep Kibbut of Aim, and therefore, 21 years Kibbut of Aim, Yaakov had no Kibbut of Aim, and the Medjah says that Esau never served his father or mother without, he was always in a Shabbos suit. That's the kind of Kibbut of Aim he said. He would put on his Shabbos clothing to serve his parents a drink. So he didn't, he wasn't Stam Kibbut of Aim, he was on the highest level of Kibbut of Aim. So the Malach of Esau said, we're collecting now. Yaakov went to Lavan, and a riot that it wasn't to get married is that for 14 years he worked to get wives, but the second, the third seven years, he worked to make money. Which means that the first 14 years weren't also Kibbut of Aim. So we're collecting 21 years, you have to destroy Klai Yisrael. That's what it says in the Medrash. So the Malach Gavriel, which is our Malach, Gavriel and Michal, the Malach Gavriel came and said, you're right, Esau was the greatest Kibbut of Aim. But in this generation, did you want to destroy the Jews of Haman? There is a Jewish girl that's greater than Esau. And the Malach of Esau said, there's a Jewish girl greater than Esau? Who is she? And the Malach said, Esther. Esther? What makes her greater than Esau? She lost her parents before she came to the world. She never, ever aggravated her parents. Because she never had them. So she never said no. 
She never said, said I'll be home at 11 and showed up at 3. She never took the car without permission. She never got dressed and her mother didn't like the way she got dressed and she didn't care. She was perfect. She was never bad to her parents. The perfect kibbutz of aim. So the Malach of Esav said, very nice. Because Esav was not perfect. He, made, he got married to a Kanani against his father's will. The smoke got into his father's eyes, made him blind. He aggravated Rifki Imenu. So he was not perfect at all. But he was very good. So the Malach of Esav said, it's very nice. She didn't have parents. She didn't aggravate them. But she never did anything right. She never served them a drink. She never got up when they walked in, right? She never gave them the chair. She never served them food. So it's very nice, but she never did anything good. So Malachi Real said, not true. By Jews, Machshava Kemaisa, that a person's thought is like his deeds. And therefore, if you look at her, in, in, in her tapes, you'll see that every single day since she could talk, she would dive into Hashem and say, it's okay that you took away my parents. Oh, there's no PTA. But, where's my kibbutz of aim? So she used to cry every day. Can you imagine, like we do every day, we cry that we can't do enough kibbutz of aim. So she cried a whole day that she couldn't do enough kibbutz of aim. And in Shemayim, Achshavah Kemaisa. So it's like she kept kibbutz of aim. So she was perfect. Every day, a whole day, 24-7, she kept kibbutz of aim because she cried to Hashem, she couldn't. And she never heard her parents. She was greater than Esau. So the Malach said, you, in this generation, Haman, can't touch the Jews because they have this protector called Esther. Malachi knew this. Hashem knew this. That's why Hashem made the refuel before the Machel. That's why she lost both her parents in order to save Israel. And it's just a very big lesson on how we judge God by what we see. Because I can imagine in my head that the Leviah of her father must have been so terrible, everybody must have been saying, oh my God, this lady's pregnant four months now her husband died. Who's going to take care of her? Who's going to take care of her baby? And then you can imagine Leviah when her mother died at childbirth. This child has no parents. What kind of God is this? He's mean. He's evil. He's angry. To, to, to bring a child into the world with no parents? Meanwhile, Hashem's standing in Shemayim saying, I created this girl without parents because that's the only way all of you are going to live. So the same people that were screaming, how could God do this, was the ones that God did so that he, they could all be saved. It's a very big lesson in life, not to judge what you see. Because you don't know the, the hidden, what Hashem is doing. So she was the anti-Haman. Mordechai knew this. So Mordechai said to her, If you will waver, beautiful vart. This is Rav Shimshon Pinkus' vart. At you and your parents, that you lost your parents is a waste. You could have had parents. They could have had more children. They could have been at your bas mitzvah. They could have been at PTA. The only reason your parents died was so that you could go to Achashverosh and that, and the Mala, and, and Esau couldn't do anything about it. You could save Klaishrov. But in Achashverosh, you're not going to go. Atu Beisavistavedu. You and your family, all the pain that you went through was wasted. And that's what he said. That maybe, not maybe, but that's why you, she wasn't the most beautiful girl of all class. Well, according to the measure, she was green. Right? And it says, he didn't say that she was the most beautiful, it said she was Matzachain in his eyes. So why Esther? Why Esther? By the way, that's why we had that play with that green, whatever. I don't know if any, how many of you girls went to our play, right? Changed. 
but Esther was green. According to one man, according to one man, she was very beautiful. We don't want the kids to wear like green costumes, but there's a machlek as to what she was. But the bottom, the bottom line is why Esther, and that's what he was saying, you became queen for this moment, because you're the only one that can save Kleistral. Ah. So he wasn't trash talking her. And he wasn't threatening her. He was saying, use your pain, use your trauma, use your agony, because Hashem doesn't give you anything for no reason. Use it to save Kleistral. And we know, and I spoke about this, I spoke to thousands of girls when I was, when I was in Eretz Yisrael. And I said that, you know, really, we don't have Bechira in this world. Because the big choices in this world of whether you're a Jew or not a Jew, unless you're a Giyaris, right? It's not your choice. Whether you're a girl or boy, is not your choice. Who your parents are, not your choice. Who your family is, is not your choice. When you're born and when you die, that's pretty big, right? Your birthday and the, the day that you leave this world is not your choice. So, so what is our choices in life, right? So some of the girls screamed out, who you marry? Also not your choice. 40 days before you come to this world, they announce it in Shemayim, this girl to this boy. They start printing invitations up there, right? So 40 days before you come to this world, they also announce, so, so what's the whole thing with emotions? So why do we have the Shiduchim? He's so cute, I like him, right? Mommy, I met this guy. What's all these feelings? So one girl said, because if you don't have emotions, you're not going to have children. I'm like, really? Cows, like, you know, they, they bring flowers and cards to each other? There's plenty of reproducing in the cow, in the animal world, and mosquitoes also don't have emotions, and there's plenty of mosquitoes in the world, and there's fish. No, you don't have to have emotions to, to, to reproduce. There are many things in this world that reproduce, not many, anything except the human being reproduces without emotion. So why do we have emotion? Beautiful word. Listen carefully. Why does create emotion between human beings so we can have children without emotion? He says, because if Hashem wants to tell us, Ruvain, you're going to marry Leah, it would never work. Why not? So we have to have, I found her, I, my shachin found her, I chose her. Sometimes they get these invitations in Bechiras Liba, Bechiras Liba, I chose, my heart chose him. Okay, nonsense, but whatever, right? They write that. So, so, why did Hashem do this? Beautiful answer. Because girls, when it comes to relationships, you have to have input. If God put the boy and girl together, but the girl and boy have no input into this relationship, even though God put it together, it cannot work. Relationships have to have input from the female and the male. So even though Hashem is the third partner, he's the third partner, they already announced who it is, but if you guys are not going to fall in love, and the emotions, and the cards, and the flowers, and the shatchan, and all this other stuff, if Hashem did it, and we had no input, when it comes to relationship, we have to have input. You can't have a relationship without input. You can't get married and say, I'm just getting married, A is marrying B. It doesn't work. They tried that in the Gemara with a thousand couples. And they were killing each other. The famous Gemara, the Gemara said, that the, I forgot who named the princess. It was a princess and she asked the Tana, what does Hashem do during his day? And he said, one third of the day, Hashem is Mizabik Zugim. He makes Shiduchim. So she said, that I'm as powerful as God. I could also make Shiduchim. So she took a thousand men, a thousand men slaves, and she took a thousand women slaves, and she connected them, she said, you marry you, and you marry you, and you marry you. She said, see, I can do the same thing. And it says, within like a week, the blood was running. They were all killing each other. Because it doesn't work like that. Relationships, there has to be an input from both sides, from the girl and from the boy. So that's why, even though Akash Baruch announced it already 30, 40 days before you were born, we got to go through this whole thing, the Hallmark cards, and 
and all the other stuff we have to go through because there has to be an input. I love her. I'm working on my midos. She's working on her midos. Right? Man and woman are very different. There's work. There's work because that's part of the relationship is growing up together, is, is working with each other. If it's just A marries B, it doesn't work. Even Hashem said it doesn't work. So that's why my, my, my animals to reproduce because an animal doesn't have a relationship. So it's just a reproduction. You don't, you don't need any emotions. It's just, it's just animalistic and it's just reproduction. But by a human being, it's not just reproduction. There's a relationship. Relationship, even Hashem says relationship, you two have to do work. Even though I announced it already and the names are out there, you two have to do work. Continuous. Marriage is continuous, continuous work. It's, it's a fascinating thing that, that Akash Baruch Hu created emotions because Akash Baruch Hu understood that a relationship, he can't just put one on one. I mean, he could do anything. So they'll, they'll look at each other and they'll have kids. But, but, but to, to, to make a marriage work and a family structure to work, there has to be input from the father and the mother, from the husband and the wife. So really, girls, everything's already set up. Everything's set up. So then what are we here? Girl, boy, who your parents are, right? Pretty much, I mean, you can use makeup and hair coloring, whatever you want to use, but pretty much your DNA of how tall you are. I always wanted to be 6'4". I wanted to be a basketball player. And I remember I used to, as a kid, I used to stretch. And when I got up in the morning, thinking that was going to make me taller. No, my DNA was, you're going to be 5'10". Not 5'11", not 6, and not 6'4". And there is nothing I can do. People take hormones and all this other nonsense. There's nothing I can do. There's no way Red Walton was going to be 6'4". There's just no way, right? So even your DNA, your physical DNA, what you look like, how tall you are, in your, 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 the medical part of your body, you know, you always write, my parents and my grandma, you know, if you have heart disease, so you have to be very careful. You have to be careful. He had heart disease. What have to do with me? No. If he had it, it's in your DNA. So, so everything that we have, pretty much that's important in life, we don't have a choice. So what are we doing here? If we don't have a choice, might as well make me an apple tree. Just let me, let me give apples. If I don't have a choice, and, and the trauma, the huge trauma that most people go through in life, abuse, death, whatever it is, they didn't choose it, right? It happened. It's not something they asked for. So, this is what happened to Esther. Esther's trauma, she lost both her parents, wasn't up to her. The question is, and this is what, this is what Shem Shepinka says, the only choice you have in life is what do you do with the things you have no choice? That you are a woman, that you are a Jew, that those are your parents, that these are your siblings, right? That you were born on that day, that that's your age, that you live in this town, all the things that you have no choice, what do you do with it? Step in or step out? The only choice you have in life is what to do with the things you have no choice. And this is what Mordechai was screaming at his niece, at, at Esther. He said, If you're going to be silent, and you're going to waver, at this moment, and you're not going to save Klai Yisrael, then the choice that wasn't yours, that you lost your parents, wasted. So I explained it to them. I was in, um, not going to say where I was, but I was somewhere in a city, and I was speaking in a bunch of schools, girls' schools, and I got a phone call when I was there. If I, then in this city there was there were some deaf parents that died from from cancer and from other things, and there were there were there were Yisraelites, there were there were girls that lost their parents, and they wanted me to give them a chizik. So when I go to this lady's house, and she's going to put a, a group together. What do they call these groups? A um, support group, and the group's going to be for girls from the ages of six to sixteen. But I go give them chizik. I'm like, I don't know. I never say no. I'm like, okay. 
What am I going to tell these kids? Each one of them lost either one or two parents. So what am I going to tell these kids? I'm going to tell them about Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was abandoned, adopted, burnt his tongue, and he became Moshe Rabbeinu. So all those things that happened to Moshe Rabbeinu were not his choices. That he was put into the Nile River, that he was adopted by Batya, that his tongue was burnt, that he ended up being prince of Egypt, right? And look what he did with it. Okay. So I had my speech ready. I'm going to give these kids chizik. So I go in there, and I thought there'd be seven or nine kids. There were over 25 kids. And there's a whole circle of chairs, and my wall seems in the middle. Okay. It was very shocking for me. A lot of these kids were very, very young. Little pitzelach, six years old and nine years old. It was very shocking for me. But I can't show that to them. I'm going to give them chizik. So I did my whole Moshe Rabbeinu routine. And they really liked it. And the parents, you know, the single mothers and fathers, whoever lost, lost a wife or a husband, they were there because they were a little nervous, you know, how the kid's going to take it. First time we did this. Okay. I finished my speech. I thought I did very well. No, I knew I did very well. Right? They were smiling. It's one little girl. I said, no, I finished my speech. I said, okay, any questions? Whoever wants to ask a question can ask a question. So this one little girl says, could I ask you a question? I'm like, sure, what's your name? She tells me her name. How old are you? Nine. I'm like, okay. What's your question? So she looks at me, and she says, Rabbi Wallerstein, when you were nine, did you have a mommy? I said, yeah. She goes, oh, I'm like, why, why are you getting so upset? You don't know my mother. Like, why are you saying that, right? Then she looks at me and she says, you still have a mommy? I said, yes. She goes, oh, you really do? You still have a mommy? I'm like, yeah, Baruch Hashem. She should live long. She goes, oh, okay. She gets up, walks out. Just walks out. And next she gets up, goes to the kitchen. And then the three older girls that were sitting there get up, they leave. Within... Ten minutes, eight minutes, there wasn't one person in that room. I lost the whole crowd. I gave the best speech of my life. Did not mean nothing. Because at the end of the day, what this girl was hoping would be that Rabbi Wallstein is speaking to us must mean that he went through the same thing. And therefore, she was hoping that when she said, did you have a mommy when you were nine? I would say, no. And then she would say, Wow. So I could be a Rabbi Wallerstein. But I didn't say that. And I have to say, my mother should be Michael Me. She should live, live long. In my heart, when she asked me the question, I knew where she was going. I sort of wished that, that I was like Esther, that I didn't have parents since I was born, so I could tell this girl, a mommy since I'm nine, I never had a mommy. And she would have been like, wow, you didn't have a mommy either? I could be like you, but I couldn't say that. Baruch Hashem, I couldn't say that, but I couldn't say that. I didn't have her trauma. I don't have that in my backpack. I wasn't Esther Hamalka. I have other stuff that I went through, and that's why I'm here tonight. That's why I teach. That's why I went into Chinuch. But I didn't have that. So, what Mordechai was yelling at all of us is, if you went through something, and you're not using that to help others, then all the pain that you went through Right, that you went through is not is not being used. So if you go through trauma, it's not our choice. Kushbarhu put us through this trauma. 
and he, he, he's the Melech, and he's, that, and he's our Tati, and he's the Melech, and it's not something that we chose, Chas Vashom, and it's not something that we wanted, but for some reason he put us through that. Then, then, then what Mordechai is saying, this is Megillah's Esther, it's not called Megillah's Mordechai, it's not called Megillah's Purim, it's called Megillah's Esther, this is Esther's Megillah, because she took her trauma, forget about that she lost both her parents, they, Hashem took a Tznuah, who, it says according to one measure, she was 75, but there's another measure that let's say she was 40. She never walked out of her house because she was such a snua. He took a snua and he dropped her in the harem of the lowest Persian lowlife in the world. And according to the Gemara, she, she was with him physically with a guy with the lowest of the low. He took the most holy girl and she did this for Klaistral. She gets the Megillah. Not Mordechai, not Purim. Nobody else. She gets the Megillah. And every single person has something else in their backpack. And the reason that Hashem has given them this, well, not the reason, I, I don't know the reason. I can't tell you the reason. But the person's choice, according to Rishim Shimpink, is, is what do you do with this trauma that you went through? Do you get depressed, give up on life, right? Doing nothing with your life? That's your choice. You have that choice. Or do you take it and help people that went through the same thing that you did? And there's many support groups in cancer and in divorce and in, in all these other things. And the people that run the support group are not people who are great speakers and not people that are mechanchim. There are people who just went through the same thing. And when you look at someone who went through the same thing and they're successful, it gives you the energy to be successful. I'll end with this story. It's a very important lesson. And that, he wasn't screaming at her. He was telling her, you went through the pain. I didn't kill your parents. Hashem took away your parents. But if you're not... Then why did you have to go through this? If you're not going to use it to save Klai Yisrael, what did you need this for? What did you go through it for? So step in, step up. And she stepped in, she stepped up, and destroyed Haman. I'll tell you a story that happened here in Arnava. And we'll end with this. And uh, I'm not saying this to trigger anybody's feelings, whatever it is. This is life, and, and, and we don't judge God. And there's a lot of things that happen in life that we don't like, and we didn't choose. And we have to, we have to look at that as an ingredient that we have to put in our backpack. And we have to help others that are going through the same thing. But, but, but it's hard. It's very, very hard. I'm not telling you that it's easy. But part of the refuah, part of making it easy, is helping other people that went through it. I'll tell you a story about a girl here in Ornava. She's not here tonight, but she knows the story, and she's heard me say it before. And I, and I, I want you to know that I spoke about this in, in Medrash Shmuel, in a boy's yeshiva, and in every single girl's yeshiva. I spoke about this very, very clearly, and there were a lot of girls there in Israel that went through a lot of stuff. And they all came over to me afterwards, and like, Ray Walton, just tell me how to do it. Just tell me what I need to do. I'm like, you don't need to do anything. You just need to, you need to spend an hour with a little kid, or you, you just need to walk in and show, you need to be successful. Because if you're not going to be successful, you're not going to be happy, then people who are going through the same thing are going to look at you and say, oh my God, that's what happens to someone who goes through this? I'm done. It's either or. Either you step in or you step out. Either you're able to handle it and help others. If you don't handle it and it breaks you, then other people say, oh my God, look what happened to her. It's going to happen to me too. It's both ways. So let me tell you what happened to a girl here in Ornava. So a few years ago, a girl came up to me after my shear, actually right there in the back. She's 19 years old. I know her for a very, very long time. 
and she said, I'm allowed to tell the story, so it's fine. And, um, and she came over to me. I don't remember what my share was. Could have been a share like this. I'm not sure what I was talking about. I think I was talking about the Bechira, about choice. And she came up to me and she said, can I ask you a personal question? I'm like, sure. She said, I'm 19 years old, and you know my parents got divorced when I was three, which is true. I know. And I told her, you know that I know I was involved. I, I know you for a long time. She goes, no, I want to make a point. I'm like, okay. She says, God knows everything before it happens. I'm like, yeah. She says, how does he pick and choose? How come I'm not your daughter? And how come your daughter, Hashem knew my parents would get divorced when I'm three. How come he didn't take your daughter and put her in my mother's belly and put me in your... Well, how, come you're not, how come I'm not your daughter? How does he pick who your daughter is and who my parents' daughter is? That's a good question, right? And you know, Brooklyn or Nava girls, they ask it the way it is, Right? She's asked me a good question. How come I'm from a divorced family and your kids are not? Hashem knows what's going to happen. Fair question. So I said, I'm going to give you an answer. Don't rip my head off, right? Um, because I need to explain the answer. It's a terrible answer what I'm about to say, but I have to explain it. So I said, Hashem never gives you a test that you can't pass. I know, I hate that answer, right? And anyone who's going through anything is like, keep your tests. I don't need to do your test. I don't need to pass your test. Don't give me no test, right? Who needs a test, right? But that's not what it means. It's not what it means. What it means is Hashem never gives you a test that you can't pass or fail. Because the meaning of a test means that you can pass or fail. If I'm going to come into this room and say, what is one plus one? That's not a test. Because you all know what one plus one is. If I'm going to ask you a question that you may know that you may not know, I am testing you to know do you know the answer, or don't you know the answer? But if I know you know the answer, not a test. If I ask you a question in astrophysics, and I know that none of you know the answer, well, maybe some of you do, but something that none of you know the answer, that's also not a test, because you can't get it right. What is a test? The meaning of a test is pass or fail. There's a chance of either or. Hashem never gives you a test that you can't pass. But He also doesn't give you a test that you can't fail. The meaning of test means you might pass and you might fail. Understand that. But you have the ability to pass. He will not test a blind man on the colors of a rainbow. He can't know it. But he will test a regular man on the colors of a rainbow who may never look at a rainbow. He may be busy looking at his phone the whole time. Right? But he's not going to ask a blind man to tell the colors of a rainbow because he can't pass that test. So the meaning of a test means that whatever we go through, we may not pass. People think that... That the meaning means that he doesn't give you something that you won't pass. No, you can fail miserably. That's your choice, says Rev. Chimchimpinkas. Your choice is what to do with the things you have no choice. So you could pass and you could fail. So I told this girl, I said, I'm going to tell you. So you're 19 years old. You're going, you're going to be an OT. That's what you're going for. You got to lift your head up. You got to forget about this thing that your parents got divorced. You got to think of yourself as a regular girl. You got to go to school. You got to become the OT. You got to get up every morning and 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 look beautiful and brush your hair and get just dressed like a mensch and not get up at three o'clock in the afternoon and not be depressed. And you got to present because a person who presents happy, right? People feel that a person who presents who presents sad, just like the Moroccan, they said we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Yeah, so that's what we projected to the giants. You project what you feel. You can't fool people. Because our neshamas feel that. Someone can walk in smiling, but if you're very unhappy inside, everyone knows you're very unhappy inside. 
So I said to her, you got to keep your chin up. With Hashem. You'll find a shidduch. You'll have a family. I said, so now it's years later. I'm telling her. And your daughter comes home and says, Ma, um, I have a friend in 10th grade who wants to come for Shabbos. Sure. So you're a nice girl. Of course, you're going to invite them. Fine. Girl comes for Shabbos. Spends the whole Shabbos. It's Monday Shabbos. She's going home now. She goes upstairs. She packs her bag. She comes into the kitchen where you are, telling this girl. And she says the following. I got the vach, Mrs. Schwartzberg. This kid, girls are very funny. You have to be careful what you say. Because when I said that to her, she says, is that Ruch HaKodesh? I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, should I only go out with a guy named Schwartzberg? I'm like, I just made up the name for the story. <laughs> his name is Finkelstein, Schwartzberg, Friedman, whatever it is. No, no, what's his first name? I'm like, he's not a person. I'm making up a story. His name is not Schwartzberg, right? But, in the story, her name is Mrs. Schwartzberg. So this girl comes downstairs and she says, Mrs. Schwartzberg, wow, I had the most amazing Shabbos. Are you an interior decorator? I mean, your house is gorgeous. Are you, are you like a professional chef? I never had such food. Your food is amazing. Your kids are so cute. You have such beautiful children. And your husband, his voice, Zmiros, I spent Shabbos with by a lot of people. I never had such a beautiful Shabbos. And of course you, I'm telling this 19-year-old girl, of course you, like a nice Jewish mother, is going to say, Mitzvah you're going to grow up, you're also going to have such a house. And she's going to say, oh no, Mrs. Schwartzberg, I will never, ever have such a family. And you're going to say, oh, chas v'shalom, knock on wood, knock on your mouth, say chas v'shalom 14 times this way, shalom chas 14 times the other way. How could you talk like that? Of course you're going to have a house like mine, and a family like mine, it's going to be even better. This girl is going to look up. I'm telling this 19-year-old girl. This girl is going to look up at you. And she's going to go, it can't happen to me. And you're going to say, why are you, say, why are you talking like this? So negative. She's going to go, no, no, there's something about me you don't know. What? Don't I know? Well, I'm 16 and, and my parents got divorced three years ago. I'm from a broken home. You, you just don't get a family like this from a broken home. And I said to this girl, in all this time you, you, you're suffering, since you're three years old, to this, you went to the father, and you went to the mother, then you didn't go to either. I know everything that this kid went through. I said, all that suffering, is like Mordechai like said to us, is going to come to this moment. And you're going to look at this girl and you're going to say, ooh, your parents got divorced three years ago, you can't have such a home. You had parents that were together for 13 years. I had parents that were together for three. My parents got divorced when I was three. And this kid's going to look up at you and say, oh, you just tell me that, Schwartz, Mrs. Schwartzberg, to make me feel good. You don't have to make up stories. She's like, no, ask my, ask my daughter. Her grandparents are divorced for the last 40 years. And she's like, really? And your friend's going to say, yeah. Yeah, my mother's parents divorced since she's three. She said, this girl is going to walk out that door and look up at Hashem and say, I thought it was over. I'm from a broken home. But this lady didn't have parents since she's three years old. Oh my gosh, and she had such a family. I'm going to even have a bigger house with more food and better looking kids. She's going to be the energized bunny rabbit. <laughs> I said to the 19-year-old girl, you gave her a speech. You read my Wallstein. You told her Mashalim. You told her a Medrash. You told her nothing. You just said, I know what you're going through. I've been there, done that, and succeeded. I said, you're 19 years old. This is your choice to step in 
or to step out. If you step out, you can't help anyone. You step in, you can help a lot of people. You can help people that I can't help. Because if I went into a room of kids that come from a home that are divorced, and a kid gets up and says, Rabbi Wallstein, your parents ever get divorced? And I'm like, no. I lose the whole crowd. Like, what are you talking to us for? You don't understand what we're going through. And they're right. And they're right. And that's what, that's what Mordechai, that's Megillah's Esther. That's what Mordechai told Esther. Mordechai said to Esther, listen to me. The you lost both your parents? That's your trauma. I didn't do that. But Tacharishi, if you're not going to use this pain to help Klai Yisrael, you need to know, at that all your pain was wasted. Who? No, she's not married yet. But she will be married. No, she's good. She's career now, whatever. She's very pretty. She'll be married. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. She will get married. So, so I, I said this in a, in a, in a seminary. I said, I spoke in a lot of seminaries. And I was walking back to the car. And a girl walked up to me, very pretty, nice, dressed well, you know. She walks up to me and she says, thank you very much. She says, I'm a survivor of cancer. Seminary girl. She says, and I've been struggling inside. You know, why me? I'm not struggling anymore. I have a job to do. I could talk to all these kids. Full head of hair, looks great, looks fantastic. You know, she's in, she's in remission for a long time. I said, you have something in your backpack? I said, I don't wish it, I don't wish it on anybody. I said, but you came through it? I said, you're a superstar. You have wings. You can go to any kid at Camp Simcha. You can go to any kid in the hospital and say, Hi, I also had this disease. And I'm alive. And I'm in seminary. And I'm doing great. And that kid's going to look at you and say, Oh my gosh, when did you get your hair back? And how do you feel? And wow. I said, You have a backpack a million miles big. I have a little one. Already beat me up in third grade. All right, that's my backpack. You know what I'm saying? I got thrown out of yeshiva in third grade and in tenth grade. I have a little thing in my backpack. I said, you? You went through this? You're in seminary? You're doing well? You're healthy? I said, oh my gosh, you can change the whole world. She said, thank you, Rabbi Wallstein. She said, I'm sitting here and I'm always thinking, how do I give you back Hashem? That I'm okay, that I'm in remission. And I don't know what to do. She said, now I know what to do. Otherwise, you have to go through it for you're not going to use it to help anyone else. What did you need it for? That's why Kosh Baruch And that's why it's called Megillah's Esther. Because at the end of the day, Atu Beis was not Tevedu. She saved the whole Klaishol. He was saying, you and your parents. She saved everybody. And, as the Medrash says, she corrected the Avera. Where did she come from? Who was her great-great-grandfather? Do you know who? Shol HaMelech. What did Shalomelech do wrong? He let Agagi, he let the king live from Amalek. If he wouldn't have let the king from Amalek live, and Amalek would have been wiped out, there would have been no Haman. So who corrected Ubeisavich, what her family did by letting Amalek live, which caused this whole problem? Who corrected it? Esther corrected it. So instead of you became the queen. You are Megillah's Esther because of this moment of, ste- of stepping up and stepping in instead of stepping down and stepping out. And that's what we all need to do. And we see Mashiach, we here, be amen, amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.